I apologize. I know making a joyful noise is sometimes uh, it's brutal when you have to be out there and I have to be up here, but thank you for making joyful noises with us tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight we're going to continue. We have just three more lessons in our Lessons from the King series, and tonight we're going to continue uh, with Lessons from the King, and hopefully, I'm hoping that you'll be able to get a lot out of this lesson tonight. It's not anything brand new, I don't think, that you haven't ever heard, uh, but maybe just some scriptures and some points that will help you to kind of solidify things that you already know, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing, and... This is, you know, this is a great time to be alive. It's a great time to be alive. Um, people are, are, that do not have biblical principles in their life, they're absolutely losing their minds right now. And if you, if you haven't noticed that, just, I mean, just turn on the news. Listen, listen to the news in your car and, and listen to some of the craziness that is going on in our world. Um, you, you know, more than ever before, I think this it really, it, it, the case is already made for us as to why we need to be in the Word of God and applying these principles to our lives. And uh, I think that you are not wasting your time. You are actually uh, really definitely spending your time wisely being here tonight. Let's read, and we're going to st- talk about tonight, we're going to talk about the stewardship of first fruits, what all that means, and this comes from Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, verses 9 and 10, honor the Lord with thy substance, right, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. How we use our resources and our attitudes toward our resources can either honor God or dishonor God. Amen? Uh, we can either show God our gratitude for His love, or we can show Him our ingratitude uh, for his life-giving love. And so I think the, the most important thing is for us to use wisdom. We need to use wisdom with our resources if we want to honor God uh, and show God our gratitude. Proverbs gives us a, a kind of a keen insight here into how we can show our, adi- our, our, our attitude of gratitude toward God through the principle of first fruits. Our text clearly states the incredible blessing of honoring God with our first fruits. Um, the ancient people believed that since God had given them the best of His love, they should show their love for Him by giving God the best they had. This, coincidentally, is why most church people believe that you should dress up in your nicest clothes when you come to church, because they believe that God deserves the very best that you have to offer. And so, uh, you know, I, I, we have kind of changed in our thinking a a little bit on that. Now, some people still, they say, well, I'm going to wear the very best thing that I have, and that's how I'm going to church. Um, I I don't expect you to show up in a tux or in a, you know, uh, nice, expensive dress or expensive outfit if you don't have that. Uh, But if you, you know, if you have nice clothes, then don't wear wrinkled t-shirts and holy jeans to church, right? You know, and, and I'm not saying that people who do are, are on their way to hell. I'm just saying that's uh, the point is that we give our best to God. Amen. So we want to show him 
uh, honor. We want to give him glory. So in the ancient days, they had little money. There, there wasn't a whole lot of money that exchanged hands. So they traded and they bartered in food. And so when they made an offering to God, they usually gave food. And they believed that the food offerings truly honored God. They were the grains and the vegetables that they picked first. And so these they called the first fruits. So whenever they were going to give something to God, it was going to be the, the first that they had received, the first that they had uh, been able to uh, harvest or bring in. And so the first fruits of the heart is where we're going to start. The first fruits of the heart. If we're to consider first fruits at all, we've got to consider the heart because really, honestly, everything starts from here. Somebody that it doesn't start from here, it won't last. If, if we want to look into what the biblical principle is, we've, we've got to understand at the heart of every act of uh, true stewardship, every work of ministry, every acceptable act of worship is a heart that's close to God. I was talking to a, a guy that's been doing some work uh, for me, and he's, he said, I was raised Pentecostal. I said, oh, that's interesting. So we started having a conversation. I turned my earbuds off, you know, started listening to him. And uh, started having a conversation, and he said, you know, I was raised pretty strict, and started talking about all these things. And he said, I noticed, you, you know, you're raising your kids pretty strict, too. I said, well, uh, kind of, sort of, you know, I don't know, I don't necessarily think of it as strict, but uh, okay. And uh, I said, you know, he said, you know, when I was growing up, he said, we had a lot of, you know, regulations, and we had to do certain things, and, you know, bless God, if you didn't do it that way, you were going to hell. And I said, well, I said, to be honest with you, the way that I've always taught and, you know, trying to teach my kids now is that everything that we do has to be because we love God. It can't be to be pleasing to a church or pleasing to people, but we got to think about how does this affect my relationship with God? And uh, this is the first fruits of the heart. If, if I'm not doing something because I love God, if I'm just doing it because, you know, I, I want to make so-and-so happy, well, whenever so-and-so makes me mad, I'm going to quit wanting to do that. So it's important to me that uh, not only do I and my my wife, but also my children and our churches understand that uh, we have to do what we do as a matter of keeping our hearts close to God. And if we ever get away from that, if it ever becomes just, you know, well, you know, at that church, they blah, 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 and, and, and it's all about being in line with a church or an organization or something like that, then we're going to be in big trouble because uh, when people do it just because it's the rule, they're not doing it for the right reason. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So this is very important. Jesus said love has to be the motivating factor. Jesus was directly correlating the love of the heart to the actions of the life. Whatever your life is displaying, it's going to be dependent upon what you love and who you love and, and where your love is directed. Amen? Um, I could go you know, further into this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to keep 
you know, but we have indicators. We, we know uh, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We understand that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. These, all, these are all kind of clues and indicators that Jesus gave us to what you love, that's where you're going to put your time. That's where you're going to put your talent. And that's where you're going to put your treasure. And so he further states that when the heart that loves God expresses that love, then God will take up residence in that heart. And so uh, Sir Walter Raleigh was about to be executed, and he was asked which way he preferred to lay his head on the block. And he replied, so the heart be right, it is no matter which way the head lies. Sometimes we need to think about where is our heart? Where is our heart? What, what is it that we desire most? You know, we, we sing the song, one thing I ask, and I will seek, right, to see your beauty. I want to get closer to you, God. Well, sometimes we say that with our mouth, but does our life display that? You know, we, we can say a lot of things, but our life will tell the story. Proverbs 23, 26 my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Proverbs, uh, you know, this is Solomon instructing his son, give me your heart, or in other words, give me your undivided attention. He understood that for any instruction to take place, he had to have the attention of the heart. The heart, we know, and we talk about it a lot, is the seat of passion. What people are passionate about, they will give their attention to. I'm going to pause just for a second. Because it's easy for us to say that we're passionate about God. We're passionate about growth. We're passionate about family. All these things, but our life then sets the tone. If that's not the case, if, if our life is not displaying that, that passion, then um, probably we need to have a heart checkup. You know, I, I was praying the other day, and I, you know, I said, I love you, Jesus, and I was you know, saying the different things sometimes that I say and my expressions to God, and, and it just, you know, I was, sometimes I, I was thinking, I was thinking so much about what I was saying, and I, I thought, Man, I better make sure that I really mean every word of what I'm saying. It's dangerous to pray and not mean what you say. When God has the first fruit of our heart, He has our undivided attention. God has the first fruit of our heart. He's got our undivided attention. God desires the first fruit of the heart. De Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 and verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. It's interesting to note that when God was commanding Israel in, in regard to following him, that he began with, give me your heart. Give me your heart. God knew that where the heart was, the life would follow. Matthew 6.21 for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He understood if we could serve Him with our whole heart, then, you know, 
He would become our treasure and we would stay in His presence. We would long to be with Him because that's what we were passionate about. That's where our heart was. That's where our attention was. I was talking to a, a guy the other day and you know, we, we were having some conversation and he said, you know, I really, I really do love God. He said, I'm just, I'm so distracted. I said, I, I understand. In our world, it's easy to be distracted. So when we give God the first fruits of our heart, we give him control of our passions and emotions. We give God the first fruits of our heart. We're giving him control of our passions and emotions. Emotions and passions that have no control will always tend to lead us astray. Amen? Do you have control of your emotions? Do you have control of your feelings? It's a, I mean, it's a deep question right there. Some days you may, may do better than others. This is what the writer spends the entire chapter of the book of Proverbs addressing. Solomon admonishes the reader time and again to avoid the promiscuous woman, the harlot, and the adulteress. You say, well... Those, what, what does that mean? I don't know that he was necessarily speaking of those particular type people, but I do think that he was talking about, and his warning was to guard your emotions and guard your passions. Because some of you, you're like, I ain't even tempted by a harlot. That ain't no big thing. I don't want to have any adulteress. I don't know. I don't have that. I'm promiscu- promiscuity. No. No problem there. No, but what God's saying is your passions, your emotions, and the things that you desire, do you have those in check? Hmm. By giving the first fruits of the heart to God, we are putting a guardrail in place that will bridle the emotions and passions. Have you ever wanted something so much and then when you got it, you didn't even want it anymore? Most of the time, it's things you didn't pray about. You know, pray prayers like, God, if you don't want me to have it, don't let me have it. God didn't know it was going to be so serious tonight, did you? Whew. It's deep. You know, when, when you pray prayers like that, he's going to take things away from you. Good. Good. Because guess what? You find out, you know what? I didn't need that anyways. I didn't need that. I thought I needed that. I thought that's what I had to have. But when I prayed, God, if it's not for me and you don't want me to have it, take it away from me. Well, hello. I need a guardrail in place to keep me from letting my passions and emotions get the best of me. A lot of time wasted, a lot of energy spent, a lot of money Spent, come on somebody, (laughs) a lot of heartache and shame and grief that came because I was off the reservation. (laughs) Well, 
All right, let me get back to the lesson, first fruits of the mind. First fruits of the heart is important. We, we, we shouldn't go anywhere until we just check ourselves. First fruits of the mind. In verses, uh, well, verse 5, actually, of, verse, uh, of chapter 3, immediately after the writer states to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, he then says, and lean not on thine own understanding. <laughs> That's so easy. Whoops. It sounds like it's such a great scripture. I've memorized it. Do you know what the scripture says? It says, trust and lean not. And I'm so glad I know that scripture. Don't lean on your own understanding. And then you get into a mess. And you're banging your head into a wall. And you're saying, I leaned on my own understanding. I should have listened to the scripture. I shouldn't have leaned on my own understanding. He's instructing us to give God the first fruits of our thought processes. You, you've heard me say it before. A lot of the problem with us is our stinking thinking. We, we've got, you know what? I'm telling you, we have, I tell my wife all the time, there is so much potential in this church. There is so, so much, even sitting right here in this group that's not even the full group, this group that's sitting here, there's so much potential. There's so much potential in this, this guy right here. But you know what we all deal with? Stinking thinking. Our thought processes get out of whack. We start putting things that aren't important in front of things that are important. And we start letting ourselves believe we know what's best. This is really what wisdom is all about. There are three, three levels of intellect. Okay, Here's the three levels of intellect. The first one is knowledge. Knowledge is the most basic level. It is an awareness of the subject or the subject matter. Okay, so you, you, you might have, you know, uh, somebody that says, hey, I learned such and such, you know. Uh, my daughter, she started college and she, some of her classes, she's just like, uh, the one that she's, she just started, she was like, man, I don't know anything about this. I said, you know what, that's why you're going to school, you know, and, and it's true, and I told her, I said, guess what? When I took that class, I didn't know much about it either. And, and, and it's kind of one of those things where if you'll just live and you'll learn and you'll keep your eyes open and your ears open and you'll be open, guess what? You're going to get knowledge because you can't help but obtain knowledge if you're, if you're open to it and you have an awareness. Uh, and so uh, knowledge is the most basic level. And you can just live life, and hopefully, there are some people, I don't know, I'm just going to say this, you don't take this the wrong way, there are some people that are much older than me, and, and they're, they're not as knowledgeable as me, and I scratch my head, and I'm, I ask my wife, I say, how, 
how do they not know these things by now? I mean, I'm 42, and I know this. They're almost 60, and they don't know this yet. How do they not know this? Well, I've learned that you can, uh, you can avoid knowledge. You can. You can, uh, you, you can live in stupid. You can. And some people, let me just be honest, some people... The reason that they are where they are is because they have taken drugs. They have had too much alcohol. And it has deadened their ability to gain knowledge. Don't, be, don't get offended with me. I'm just telling you the truth. When you avoid reality by going... And, and some people, they were coerced into it. Some people, they were drawn into it. I'm not, I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying... Somebody who is 40 years old that started doing drugs at 20 is not going to be on the same level as somebody at 40 that didn't do drugs from 20 to 40. I'll challenge anybody to prove me, to prove me wrong, but I'm telling you, I've got cousins that are older than me that they just I, they need to be shaken because they did too much. Anyways... I better get back to the lesson. Knowledge. The first level of intellect is knowledge. The second level is understanding. Understanding is a little bit deeper level of intellect. Uh, It is having an insight to why the subject matter or matter is the way that it is. You might not understand it completely, but you at least have a little bit of insight. I know a little bit about that. One of the Greatest thing somebody told me about college, they said college should give you uh, the ability to have at least a 5 to 15 minute conversation on a variety of subjects, and that's why you go to college. Some people may say, no, that's not, that's what it did for me. Some of you, you know, you're chemical engineers and you're doctors and lawyers, God bless you for that, okay? Uh, I'm talking about simple people, all right? We have uh, the understanding, we gain that through experience, we gain that through study, we gain that through living and having these different levels of experience. You know, I hate to bring poor Julia back into it, but she was saying a lot of the people in my class, they understand all this other stuff. And I said, Julia, they're older than you. They all, she's the youngest one in the class. They're all older than you. She said, some of them are retired. I'm like, yeah. If they're retired military, they've had more life experience than you. So yes, obviously they're going to get more than you get. Hopefully she won't watch the live stream tonight. She'd be like, dad, seriously. Y'all don't tell her, it's our secret. Okay. I'm not talking bad about her. But, but just the understanding, you, can, you get understanding through study and through experience. And the less experience you have, guess what? The less understanding you're going to have, all right? And then the third level is wisdom. This is the highest level of intellect. It is the application of right thoughts, words, or actions to the subject or matter. Application. In a spiritual sense, 
This level cannot be caught or taught. It comes from God alone. So, let me just pause right there. For some of you that you're like, wow, you know, this is great. I uh, have got knowledge and I have got understanding and I have got wisdom. You can have wisdom in a certain field. Okay? I, I can, I'm going to tell you this right now. Lisa, stand up. Lisa, hands down, will blow any of y'all out of the water when it comes to chemical engineering. She will. Don't even try her. Don't, don't try to match wits with, you know, what goes with what and what will blow up anything else. It, it's not going to happen. She will beat you down. And she's younger than just about all of you. But guess what? She has wisdom because of the understanding, right? And because of the knowledge that she has gained and the experiences that she's lived. Now, you put her up against somebody else in her field that may have more wisdom and they may have seen more trials and case studies and they've done a lot more. Guess what? Then they're going to blow her out of the water with wisdom. Now, it's all fine and dandy and I am coming to make a point somewhere. But in a spiritual sense, this level of wisdom, you cannot gain this level of wisdom simply by just, oh, well, you know, I learned this. God has to give us the wisdom. That's why somebody that is 24 years old can pastor somebody that's 40 and 50 and 60 years old. They didn't like it when I was, I was 24. They don't talk about how young I am anymore, Anthony. I don't know what the problem is. But when I was 24, that's all I ever heard. Oh, he's so young. And he's really young. Nobody says that anymore. Thank you, by the way. Uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, the wisdom that we get, spiritually, it comes from God. God enables us. And so James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Amen. If you need wisdom, spiritual wisdom, you can't get it just from reading books that you know, somebody popular wrote. You, you can't even get it just, you can get wisdom from the Word of God, but you can't get all the wisdom that you need just from reading the Word of God. You've got to ask. You've got to say, God, give me wisdom. Help me have spiritual wisdom and understanding of how to move forward in my life. Stewardship involves allowing God to work in us. A.W. Tozer said, to do His gracious work, God must have the intelligent cooperation of His people. If we would think God's thoughts, we must learn to think continually of God. Our mindset affects the condition of our heart. Our mindset. You know, there have been times in my life where I thought somebody didn't like me. Or I thought something was messed up. And because of that mindset, I had an attitude. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Our mindset affects the condition of our heart. If we perceive God or the people of God or the church of God in the wrong manner, and it's just our perception, guess what it's going to do? It's going to mess with our heart. 
That's why it's so important that we keep our hearts clean and our minds pure and our lives surrendered to God. Why? It's not because uh, people are, are looking to do you wrong or the church is going to try to cheat you or the pastor is going to try to pull one over on you. No, it's because if, even if everything is perfect, which it's not, but if, even if everything was perfect, if your heart gets out of whack, your perception is going to get out of whack. Are you with me? And if we perceive something, if the devil can throw something in there because he's got fiery darts that he's trying to hit us with, right? He's got little things that he's trying to throw up and he, he's going to try to put tension in between you and the people of God. He's going to try to sow discord. Uh, the scripture talks about this. He's going to try to sow discord. He'll use other people. He'll use true facts. Well, come on, somebody. I'm not preaching, but I am telling you the truth tonight. This, this is what we've got to understand. Our mindset, if our mindset gets messed up, it's going to affect the condition of our heart and our perception of how God is moving in our lives. Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Whatever attitude develops in our heart and life passes uh, our heart and our life, it passes first through the door of our mind. Do you know that you can shut the door on some things that don't need to be in your mind? I'm, I'm trying to decide how deep into this I want to get. But there are some times where, when you start hearing something, you need to just put your hand up, stop. No, I don't want to hear anymore. Because as soon as it goes in the mind, then your mind has to process it. And you know what? Sometimes the devil is going to use things that, that you, you were just moving along. You were in your lane. Everything was going well. And somebody will tell you something or you'll hear something or you'll read something. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, now i got to process the rest of my day with this on my mind. Are you with me? And if we're not careful, you know, we will get to the place where that's all we think about. And just that little seed of whatever it was, maybe it was doubt, maybe it was fear, maybe it was bitterness, maybe, maybe it was just, you know, uh, 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 casting bad light or a bad shadow on something or somebody, and we have to now live with that because now we're thinking it, now it's going through our mind. We need to learn to shut the door on some of those things. I'll tell you, let me just be honest with you. The other thing that you need to do is if somehow it, it sneaks in, you need to deal with it right away. Don't let it fester for weeks and, and, and months and years. You know, if there's something that's eating at you, if there's something that you keep, you know, it gives you a bad perception about God, about the people of God, about the leadership, about your, your walk with God, whatever it is, you need to deal with it. Okay, And the way you deal with it is you handle the, the, the situation like the Scripture says. You go to the person. You go to that person you say, hey, look, I, I just want you to know I, I'm, I'm dealing with this. I heard this or, or something, you know, however it came about. This is, this is what's been in my mind. You know, you say, well, that might make that person mad. So what? It might. You say, well, I want to be peaceful. Well, you can, but you can't be peaceful if in your mind you're, you're, you know, you're irritated with that person. If you feel like that person has wronged you or wronged somebody close to you or something, you need to deal with it. Because as you think in your heart, that's how you're going to be. 
That's how cliques and grudges and groups develop in churches. Then they don't have, this person doesn't want to have anything to do with this person. And that group won't. Anybody ever have your kids fighting? You know what it's like to have your kids fighting? You know? Some of y'all don't. All of you with one kid, you don't know what it's like. Two or more, you got an idea. Hedges, you're about to have a good clue. Three, it's going to be awesome. I say you're not really living until you have three kids. Throw a pet in there too. That makes it more fun. But the whole point that I'm trying to make is, you know, here we are and we're trying, we're supposed to be the family, right? And you got kids that are, are at odds with one another. And God's like, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I want, I want us to make it right. I want things to be good. And just like you want things to be good with your children, God wants things to be good between us. Amen. So if there's something that's trying to uh, penetrate your mind and, and cause you to, you know, doubt, worry, question, grudge, just be angry or irritated at somebody, you know what, let's, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it because don't let it continue to fester and, and go around in your heart and mind. Uh, let's, let's handle it. Uh, we must actively guard our mind and keep it pure. This is the point, okay? 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What I'm telling you is scriptural. I'm telling you, some of you, you don't have the victory that God wants you to have in your life, and it's simply because you aren't in control of your thoughts. It's quiet. Your thoughts are running away with you. You ever heard that? Man, my thoughts are running away with me. Well, get them back. They're your thoughts. Can't nobody live in your head that you don't allow them to. <laughs> that didn't go over well. The, the thing that's eating you up, you're allowing it to. Oh, but you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, I'm telling you. We all have them. We all have. That's why the scripture says we have to bring every thought into captivity. All right. I'm moving on. Not happy with me. That's fine. Philippians 2.5. Here's the next part. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, you can't have the mind that was in Christ Jesus if you're ate up with all this other stuff. Verse 8 says, Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Doesn't have any negativity in there. Doesn't have any hate. Doesn't have any anger. Doesn't have any bitterness, any grudges. It says like the opposite of all those things. You know what? If we will win this battle right here, we'll win a lot more. This is the one we can win. Check up from the neck up. When we give to God the first fruits of our mind, we are surrendering control of our thought processes and ultimately the future condition of our heart. The thought processes and the future condition of our heart. 
Do you know why some people keep going back to drugs? They keep going back to bad relationships. They keep going back. Do you understand, do you understand that there is a cycle, right? That's, that's the reason. Their thought process never, never changed. They might have changed their behavior for a short period of time because cops were after them, they were miserable, whatever. But their thought processes didn't change. You know, our thought process is what has to change in order for our whole life to change. I'm doing my best. I promise you, I'm doing my best. I want to I wanna finish this tonight. But I'm telling you right now, Part of the reason why we keep having some of the same issues is because we're not changing our thinking about how life should be. I'm going to move on. The first fruits of our ways. The first fruits of our ways. Proverbs 3, 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct Thy paths. Now, I'm going to just be honest with you. If you haven't put him first in your heart and in your thoughts, your ways, forget about it. It's going to be temporary. It's going to be very short-lived. The word ways simply means paths or directions. Paths or directions. We are to acknowledge him in whatever path we walk or in whatever direction we face. This is not always easy, especially when you consider uh, some of these things these scriptures, like Proverbs, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. Many times, we start walking down a path that is not God's will for our life. You know, it, it, it's crazy. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. And guess what we all do? Hey, I know the way. I got this. I think I, think I can... Get God to be okay with my path. You know, He's loving and forgiving and merciful. Surely, surely He would be okay with me, you know, carving out this, this new path right here. You know what's going to happen? This is going to continue to happen all throughout our life if we fail to give him the first fruits of our ways. If we fail to say, God, if this is not the direction you want me to go, please stop it. Just, I don't even want to, I, don't, I, I want to make sure that I'm not going that way. I want to make sure that that's not my direction. David Livingstone told how he was chased up a small tree and besieged by lions. He said that the tree was so small and he was barely out of reach of the lions. He said that they would stand on their back feet and they would uh, roar and they would shake the little tree that he was in. And he could feel, he said, the hot breath of the lions as they sought him. But he stated, I had a good night and I felt happier and safer in that little tree besieged by lions in the jungles of Africa in the will of God than I would have been out of the will of God in England. Sometimes we need to understand there is one safe and happy place, and that is in the will of God. And I'm just going to be honest with you, it ain't always safe. It's happy, but it ain't always safe. There is peace, prosperity, and long-term safety, but we'll just say safety, in being in the center of God's will and walking in His ways. I know that 
sometimes we get a little confused and we see these missionaries and these people who uh, basically are tortured, they're killed, whatever, and we're like, man, that's not safe. Were they in God's will? Yeah. He said go. He didn't say they had to come back. He just said they had to go. We don't like that. I don't like that. I'm telling you, I'll be honest with you. But we have to be understanding enough to realize that we have to be in God's will. No matter what that cost. You know, we we don't just count the here and now cost. We have to count the eternal cost. What, What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? But yet, in doing so, he loses his soul. In paraphrasing 1 Kings 2, 4, we find an instruction and a blessing to the house of David. If David's children would take heed to their way to walk before God in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he will not fail to have one of his descendants perpetually on the throne of Israel. Psalm 128, verse 1, Blessed is everyone that fears the Lord that walks in his ways. Proverbs 16, 7, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know what I start doing when I've I've got a lot of turmoil in my life? I'm like, God, um, what ways that I'm in right now are not pleasing you? Is there something that I need to change? Is there something about me that needs to change? The life of every spirit-filled believer should be dedicated to following the ways of the Lord. What do you want from me, God? where, Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? Who would you have me speak to? One of the uh, our, our most major decisions in life are spiritual decisions. Some people think that they're just decisions. Did you know a lot of the things that you probably have thought, you know, and I've had somebody, somebody told me this literally standing right here one time. They said, I don't, I don't think it's any of your business if I move or not, Pastor. I said, no, not necessarily. This was somebody who was moving away, like not moving, you know, five minutes away. They were moving further away. I don't think it's any of your business if I'm... I said, I, maybe it's not. I said, but, you know, uh, growing up, I said, I was always kind of taught, and I always thought the biblical principle was, you know, you would consult somebody that was in, you know, your spiritual authority. Just see what they felt about it, that they would pray with you, and that they would kind of give you some guidance or direction. Where we live, who we date, who we marry, what we do for a living, where we move to, how we invest our finances. Those are all spiritual decisions. You say, do I have to ask you about all of them? No, I'm not saying that you have to ask me. I'm just saying it is a spiritual decision. And guess what? If, If I'm making a spiritual decision, I want somebody spiritually wiser than me weighing in on it. Scripture says there is safety in much counsel. You know, if I've got people in my life that I know they want what's best for me and they are not going to steer me wrong, uh, you know, even if one of them is going to steer me wrong, if I talk to three or four of them, they are not all going to steer me wrong. I'm going to have good, solid counsel, good, solid wisdom uh, from God's Word and His principles in my life. No matter how hard we try, we cannot make wise spiritual decisions from unspiritual viewpoints. 
I'm just going to let that sink in. I, I could say a lot about it. But many times people make these major life decisions and they haven't prayed about it. They haven't fasted one day. They haven't talked to one spiritual person about it. And then they wonder why I'm like, hey, hold up, hold up, slow, slow, whoa, slow down. Like, what? What? Well, don't you think we should pray about it? Don't you think we should fast about it? And you know, the, the reverse of that happens to me a lot. A lot of times people will come to me, Pastor, we've prayed and we've fasted about this. Okay. And, and, and so, then what they're actually saying to me is, so we know what God wants more than you in this situation. Before they even tell me what it is. I had somebody tell me, uh, one time they told me that what God had called them to do, and they had prayed and fasted about it, and they, they felt like that was the right thing. They didn't say, what do you think? This was going to affect their life, their family, their, their ministry, everything. They didn't say, pastor, you're our pastor. We've been praying about this. We feel this. What, what do you think? No, they said, we prayed and fasted about this. We know this is God's direction for our life. Well, who am I to say any different than that? My God, you've already got the big man upstairs telling you what to do. Don't listen to the little guy down here that he put over your soul. And some of you might think I'm trying to be cocky. I'm not. I'm just telling you, don't be unspiritual in your making spiritual decisions. You know, do I have to sign off on every roll of toilet paper that you get for your house? Absolutely not. I don't want to, and I don't want to have the time for that. If you use Charmin or you use... Great value. I don't care. Those things don't matter to me. But if you're making a major spiritual decision, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your family. Man, by all means, don't just talk to me. Talk to several people that are, are spiritually wanting to help you get in the right direction. Man. All right. I got to move on because I can feel some of those un, unspiritual spirits rising up. Whenever God does not have the first fruits of our ways, our decisions will not be according to His will and His purpose. If we haven't put God first in our heart, if we haven't put Him first in our thoughts, when it comes to our ways, we're, we're going to be, like I said, our heart's going to kind of keep pulling us the direction that we want to go. And then I know because I didn't want you guys to feel like I was leaving this out, so let's talk about the first fruits of our finances. Because God is not only concerned with the first fruits of our heart, our thoughts, our ways, He's also concerned with the first fruits of our finances. It's amazing to me how many people are fine when you start talking about, yeah, got to give God your heart, got to give God your thoughts, and make sure He's in control. But they get possessive when we begin to talk about giving God the first fruits of our income. One day, James uh, wanted to do something special with his five-year-old son, Jimmy, and he he asked, son, is there anything that you would like to do right now? And Jimmy said, yeah, I want some McDonald's French fries. So his father said, if that's what my boy wants, then that's what my boy gets. So Jimmy's lips and his tongue, they were silently moving as he could taste the fries before they even reached the store. His dad made the orders. Some of you are going to McDonald's right after we get, I can tell. You'd be like, I could taste the salty French fries, just like Jimmy. But they get to the store, his dad made the order, 
Jimmy's heart pounded when his dad said, make it a supersized fry. And James took the money out of his wallet to pay for the fries and the drink, and Jimmy's little heart and his, his teeth were just ready. He said, I'm going to sink into those hot golden fries before they even make it to the table. And when they, they sat down, and grace consisted of, God bless this food, amen, But it seemed like way too many words to Jimmy, who was eager to delight himself with this huge blessing of French fries. James was happy to see his little boy so happy over something so simple. So he decided to join in the fun. He reached over to get a couple of Jimmy's French fries for himself. And to his surprise, his son quickly put his arms around his fries as though building a fort and pulling them toward himself and said, no, these are mine. His dad was in a state of shock for a moment. He could not believe what had happened. James pulled back his hand and began to reflect about his son's attitude towards the fries. Let's walk through together the things that went through his mind. He was thinking, my son failed to realize that I am the source of those french fries. At the counter, I was the one who gave the cashier the money from my wallet. I did not give him the size fry he was expecting, but something twice as big. Yet, here he is talking about his french fries. Not only was I the source of the french fries, he has forgotten that I, at 6'1 and 195 pounds, have the power to take all the fries, (laughs) despite his little arms surrounding them, as a fort. Or, that if I wanted to, I could go back to the counter and bring so many fries, he could never eat them all. He also does not understand that I don't need his french fries. I could go back to the counter and get as many fries as I personally want. As the dad thought about it, one or two fries would not really have made much of a difference for him that day. What he wanted was he wanted for his son Jimmy to invite him into the wonderful little world that he had made possible for him. He wanted his son to be willing to share the very blessing that he had provided. And it's with that that I bring up finances. Scripture commands the giving of first fruits to the Lord. It began with the Lord's command to Israel in Exodus 23:19, the first of the first fruits of the land of thy land shalt thou bring into the house of the Lord thy God. It became one of the feasts of Israel in Exodus 23, 16, and the feast of harvest and the first fruits of thy labors which thou hast sown in the field. Israel responded to the command to bring of the first fruits. We read this in Deuteronomy 26, 9 and 10. And he hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord God, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 42. And there came a man from Baal Shalisha and brought a man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5, And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in an abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and of all the increase of the fields, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. 
So the first fruits, the first fruit involves of our, of our income involves, excuse me, tithe and offerings. Tithe and the offering. Nehemiah 10.37, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings and the fruit of all manner of, all, of trees, of wine and of oil and unto the priest to the chambers of the house of our God. What is tithe? The tithe is 10% of our increase, and it is holy to the Lord. 10% of our increase, and it is holy to the Lord. Now, I'm, look, some people are, are very, they get very funny when you start talking about this. Um, we're not getting into gross and net, and we're not talking, just look, if you are increased, Right? If you, if you paid a debt, if you had like $500 that you owed, and then you were increased $700, okay? But you, 700 of that, or 500 of that 700 was to pay back that 500 that you owed. Then your increase was the 200. Are you with me? Okay, so some people are like, what are you saying? Should I pay uh, on the 500 or should I pay on the 700? Well, what are you increased? If you go out, let's say you buy a widget for $500, okay, and to pay for that widget, you sell it, it's $700, then guess what? You made $200. You pay tithes on the $200. Does that make sense? Okay, so it's the increase. You got you to gotta understand, it's, some people say, well, you know, that means I've, I've got to pay on this and I've got to pay, you got to pay on the increase. If you are increased, Somebody asked me one time, said, should I pay tithes? And they've listed, I've had probably a hundred different things that you guys have never even thought about. People say, do I have to pay tithes on that? And usually I say, did it increase you? And then they say, well, I don't know. And I say, well, then I don't know what to tell you. If it, if it increased you, yes, you pay tithes on it. If it didn't increase you, if you weren't increased by it, then no. All right? So the next part says, Leviticus 27 and verse 30, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what it, whatever you were increased. Um, you know, and some people, well, I'm going to just keep moving because you guys get this. Levit Leviticus 27, 32, And concerning the tithe of the herd and of the flock, and even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So, whatever it is, widgets, dollars, rubles, colones, it doesn't matter. Whatever you are increased, that's what you pay 10% tithe on. Now, let's move on. To not return the tithe or to bring an offering is to rob God. Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. It's amazing that the same people who would never dream of stealing from a friend or a family member would steal from their Savior. It's, well, I don't like to think of it like that, Pastor. Let's just be real positive. Okay, let's be positive. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 said, will a man rob God? Now let's go on. This is, this is how positive the scripture is. 
Malachi 3, 9. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. If you don't present the tithe and the offering, the reason why we got to talk about it is if we don't, you were cursed. Notice that God says, you have not only robbed him, but you have also robbed the whole nation. Not only did you rob, he said, you have robbed me, not, but, but even this whole nation. Hmm. What does that mean? When we do not bring our tithes and offerings, we are stealing the provision for the entire church. So it is as if you are stealing from the church. Not from me, from us. Well, there are immeasurable blessings in the bringing of the first fruits of our finance to God. Malachi 3, and if you just keep reading, it gets better. Verses 10 through 12. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, he says, the first two, he's like, don't rob me. If you rob me, you're cursed. You, you're not having, you didn't just rob me, but you've robbed the whole nation. And then he says, but if you'll bring all the tithes, if you will do this, bring the tithes, bring the offerings, you will, and these are the blessings, there will be meat in the house of the Lord. There is meat in the house of the Lord. I'm, oh, I wish I, I, I don't have time to get into this, but there is, there is something powerful that happens. Something powerful that happens. What would happen? I should, probably shouldn't say this. I, I don't know if I should say this. What would happen if everybody in the church, everybody that came on Sunday, what would happen if everybody paid their tithes and offerings? What would happen? First of all, Brother Dummett and Sister Allen would have heart attacks. They'd be like, <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the truth, some of, you, some of you are like, oh, man, we got so many people come to this church, and there's a lot of people here. But you have to understand, not everybody gets this concept. Here's, here's what would happen if everybody would get that concept. There would be meat in the house of the Lord. There would be substance. There would, we would be able to do the things we needed to do. This is what I fully believe. And, and sometimes, unfortunately, it takes some people that aren't paying tithes leaving before this can actually happen. And I'm not trying to advocate for anybody leaving. I'm just saying, when everybody is doing their part and everybody brings their tithes and their offerings, they're, they're, the promise is there's meat. There's substance. There, there's going to be something there. There's going to be enough for whatever the need is. Man, I've watched God do this over and over and over. Man, we came to this church, there was 12 people, and we're still here. God's, God's taking care of it. Has it always been good? Has it always been easy? No, but God has always provided, and He will always provide. Amen. And some of you say, yes, but we got a mortgage. Yeah, and we serve a God that's able to take care of us. Amen. And there's coming a day when, uh, you know, we're going to see that mortgage go down, down, down. Amen. 
We're going to see God do some incredible things. Amen. He will. The next part is He will open the windows of heaven. That's what happens when you give your tithe and offering, and we do this in unity. He does open the windows of heaven. He opens the windows of heaven in your life. He opens the windows of heaven in your finances and for your family. And the Scripture says you will receive blessings that you cannot contain. So far, I've been able to contain it, but I keep on giving because there's, I'm telling you, I've been able to contain all the financial ones, but there, have, there are so many extra financial. They're, they're beyond financial blessings. They're beyond material things. They're spiritual. They're supernatural things that God has blessed me with. Amen. And so I continue to give and I know that I receive blessings, not just financially, but extra blessings that I cannot contain. And it says he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's good to know. Because if we don't give, he can't rebuke the devourer. So that means bad things happen. The devourer devours. The fruit of your ground will be protected. The fruit of your ground will be preserved. Others will call you blessed. And you will be valuable. Jack Kelly, foreign affairs editor for USA Today, shared a story at National Press Association uh, convention. He said, we were in Mogadishu, the capital of Somalia in East Africa, during a famine. So it was so bad that we walked into one village and everybody was dead. He said, the stench of death that gets into your hair, gets on your skin, gets into your clothes, uh, you can't wash it off. You can't get it out. He said, we saw this little boy, and you could tell that he had worms. He was malnourished. His stomach was protruding. He said, when a child is extremely malnourished, the hair turns a reddish color and the skin becomes crinkled as though he's 100 years old. He said, our photographer had a grapefruit, which he gave to the boy. The boy was so weak that he didn't have the strength to hold the grapefruit, so he cut it in half and gave it to him, and he picked it up and looked at us as if to say thanks, and he began to walk back toward his village. So we walked behind him in a way that he couldn't see us, and when we entered the village there on the ground, there was a little boy who I thought was dead. His eyes were completely glazed over. It turns out that this was his younger brother. The older brother kneeled down next to his younger brother, bit off a piece of the grapefruit and chewed it. He then opened up his younger brother's mouth, put the grapefruit in, and worked his brother's jaw up and down. We learned that the older brother had been doing that for the younger brother for two weeks. But a couple of days later, the older brother died of malnutrition and the younger brother lived. He said, I remember driving home that night thinking, I wonder if this is what Jesus meant when he said there's no greater love than to lay down our life for somebody else. So the question then as we close tonight is, how are we to respond to that kind of love? No greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. But that's exactly the kind of love that God has shown to each and every one of us. The kind of love that takes food that could sustain oneself but gives it to another. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, freely gave His life so that we could live. He indeed gave us the first fruits of the kingdom and all He asks in return is that we too bring our first fruits. When put that way, it's kind of hard to make a case for why he doesn't deserve the first fruits. Let's all stand.
Next week, we will talk about life lessons from the, from the ant and the sluggard. Some of you are like, that sounds like better than what we had tonight. <laughs> we need to give God the first, the best. He wants to be our, our main priority, our only priority in life. Amen. And as we put him first and as we seek him first and his kingdom, all these things, all the things that we think we have to have, he says, all the things you need, all the things you desire, that'll be added, but seek first. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, because you've reminded us tonight about keeping you first in everything and making sure, God, that you get the very best of what we have to offer. Lord, you gave it all to us anyways, and you have given us life. I pray, God, that as we live this life, we would not neglect or forget you, but, God, that we would keep you first in everything that we say, everything that we do on the forefront of our minds and our passions and our desires would be seeking to please you. And, God, that in our ways, we would show and give you glory. And, God, we will give you the praise for all that you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have tithes, offerings, you can leave those tonight in the back. Um, I do believe...